and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Sandy Abram, how lovely to have you on She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing to doing an interview. Oh, Jules, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited about this and to obviously have a chat and to share a little bit more about what I do. Yes, which which leads me perfectly into (laughs) how about you tell everybody what you do? Okay, I'd love to. So um, I basically have a, a couple of organic businesses. So the main one is First Ray, which is a a wholesaler distributor that was built um, nearly 16 years ago under the the core values of organic, ethical, and sustainable. Right. Um, but as part of that, we've just launched a new marketplace, which we're very excited Ooh. about. Yeah, yeah. So very excited because it, it still aligns with all those values that are very important to us. But it's just going to make it a lot easier for um, you know awesome purpose driven brands to connect with retailers and businesses. So again, still continuing on our values, but just looking at using digital platforms of making that process easier. Oh, fantastic. I'm a big fan of digital platforms, but tell yeah. me what does, what sort of products does First Ray sell? Yeah. So it's a, it crosses a, a wide variety of categories. So from okay. food and drinks to uh, personal care and beauty, um, home and cleaning, lifestyle. So we do cross a number oh, of categories. Oh, right. So you're like a, yes. an online supermarket almost for, yeah. for all the things that people need. Yeah. So we actually, uh, our products, oh, sorry about that. Our products <laughs> okay. go to uh, retailers and businesses. So yes, we we do have a little online store as well. That, um, so but it's mainly not be, consumer. It's no, more B2B, is it? Okay. Exactly right. That is our, our core business. Right. 16 years ago, you were ahead of the I curve, know. that's for sure. So which leads me to my next question, which is perfect. Why did you set it up? What, what did you see 16 years ago that made yeah. you think this is um, going to a couple of things. So I went through a bit of a personal health crisis and challenge. Um, like a lot of women, I suffered um, severe endometriosis and got diagnosed oh, and went on ouch. a, yeah, it was, it was a bit, you know, terrible. And I think it was really reflective of what was going as well on in my life. Um, but I, um, after got being diagnosed and given a bit of a bleak outlook, I sought an alternative path which yeah. my gynecologist told me was not an option for me, but, you know, being stubborn as I am. And so it really, I did some reading and research. I cleared out my pantry, started an organic lifestyle, dragged my unwilling partner to a yoga studio, <laughs> found myself a wonderful naturopath and really just changed my life and lifestyle. And, and um, did it fix the endo? endo? I did, absolutely. Wow. And, and I even went back to my gynecologist 12 months later and he's like, you're, you're cured. Um, so it really showed to me what difference it can make when you just, you know, Look at a, a you know clean food, good food. Focus on your health and well being, and how we can improve our our health and well being. And what did so it that, do? For, what did it do for your partner then? If you dragged oh, him kicking and screaming, yeah, what, what's that, happened? They actually became an, a yoga instructor. The yoga. <laughs> so it was like it was like for someone that was unwilling. Yes, um, they sort of embarked on a whole new journey and opened their eyes to a whole lot of other things too. But it just really did make me aware that organic food can make a difference. And then obviously yeah. I became more conscious of the fact that how much it's better for the farmers and producers and then really importantly for our land and our planet and sustainability. So it was really much, it made, it was a light bulb, like this makes perfect sense. It's good for us and other people on the planet. And so um, I became very passionate about that. And 
I'd come from a corporate life and wanted to have my own business. And I thought, well, this is it. I'm going to do something in this space and just make these products more accessible and hopefully inspire more change and for others to make a difference. So, oh, my God. I love your purpose yeah. and I love what you did. And you were so ahead of it all. So let's go back then. Let's uh, look at how your career has unfolded because you just mentioned mm. some health issues and that you were in corporate. So I don't know, Sandy, where do we start yeah. when, when you were it- in high school? It was a magic. Look, I loved school. I was one of those nerdy kids. I actually loved to study. Um, I'd be cheeky at lunchtime and then at, at home at night, I'd be digitally, you know, diligently doing my homework and handing it in. So I had this sort of double persona. Dream daughter uh, by the yeah. sounds of it. And, uh, and were you in a, did you have a big family? No, uh, my sister and I, so right. a small family, but um, she was actually always a great inspiration. She was a very smart cookie. And so I'd always get her to read my essays and can you re- read this and help me out with this? So she was always a wonderful support there for me. Is there to a school, big age difference between the two uh, of you? Five, yeah, five years. So oh, yeah, that, that is quite big. I've got a son yeah, who's five years older yeah. and certainly around, you know, early teen. I mean, it's kind of great. And then you, and then you disconnect almost completely, I think, through that early teens, late teens, because you're both going through yeah. different stages, but it obviously comes around, which is good. And yeah, what did so- your parents do? Were they um, kind of in business themselves? No, no. So um, so I come from a European heritage. Um, Mum and dad met in Australia. Um, they migrated here in the 1960s. Um, dad was a butcher, so right. he um, worked for, um, you know, the same company for, you know, most of his life. Mum had some part-time jobs and raised a family. So, yeah. Right, so, right. And obviously a- you girls were brought up to be whatever you want to be, which I love. So um, so you're this diligent student, you finished school. What did you do then? <laughs> um, look, I had the, you know, any the opportunity of going to any course and I think all the teachers, I ended up, you know, doing very well in my final year and, and ducks of that year, which was very nice. Ducks? Um, wow, Yes, Sandy. I know. And I, I know. love it that you're not a doctor because that seems to be what everyone goes yeah. off and does if they get good marks, doctor well, and lawyers. To, and much to everyone's horror, I sort of got myself a job, saved up some money and packed my bags and went overseas. So yes. <laughs> like, Where did you go and how uh, long for? Yeah, I went for um, quite a few months, headed off to America first. I did the wonderful Disneyland and Hollywood and L.A. and yes. uh, Hawaii, of course, did that too, and then off to Europe and did the Kentucky tour. And uh, <laughs> so, so you went on your own? You, weren't, you didn't go no. with you? Oh, did I you went go with, with my sister and I went okay. with my wonderful sister. So I went with her and then we just had this wonderful European adventure, then um, spent some time in the Nordic countries, went to both where my mum and dad grew up. Um, where did they grow so, up? What, where are they from? Yeah, so mum is from Croatia and dad's from Slovenia. Oh, so, my God, yes. gorgeous. I love so, Croatia. It's fantastic. So I went to actually see their houses where they grew up and their little villages, which were, you know, it was a beautiful journey to take and, yeah. You know, stayed at their families and friends that they have still there. So it was it was amazing. Um, so, but, you know, all good trips have to come to an end. I know, so which is a bummer. <laughs> during, I know. So during that time there was one thing that sort of stuck in the back of my head that I thought, you know, I'd like to try because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and that was yeah. nursing. So right. I applied to become a nurse, and that was still the old-fashioned way where you did hospital-based training and lived yep. in the nurse's residence. So that was quite an adventure in itself. And so I became a nurse at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Um, right. I did that, yeah, I did that for a number of years. So maybe that's where the whole health and well-being and, you know, caring for, for some people in the, came yeah, into it. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. So, so, uh, okay, so you finished and you went straight into nursing and then straight into a nursing role? 
Uh, yeah, I stayed at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. So after you do your nursing training, because you spend a lot of the time pretty much on the ward anyway, but then you can do a graduate program and you spend your time. I hear great things yeah. about the nurses' living quarters, though. I know um, I, when I went to um, Corowa, which is a school in Melbourne, that um, a lot of the girls went to the Alfred and, and studied yes. at the Alfred. And I used yes. to see all the nurses' quarters. That's and- it hear of them chatting up doctors all the time. So was it, <laughs> was it crazy and fun as well? It was, and that was exactly it because you had obviously, you know, a very serious job where you're dealing with life and death and health and well-being and families and stressful situations, but you had the wonderful support of the other nurses who were going all through the same thing. Yeah. And you always had someone, you know, someone's door you could knock on or there'd be someone studying in the hallway um, and, you know, little groups happening here and there or someone in the kitchen cooking up something or someone to, you know, cry on someone's shoulder or celebrate with. Oh, so fantastic. it was a wonderful, wonderful community and just taught me a lot about life um, as well as the practice of nursing. So it was a beautiful, beautiful, you know, memories that I have of that time there. Um, and obviously being a young woman, you know, being able to live in the nurses' quarters and, yes, there were policemen balls and all sorts of, you know, fun, crazy adventures. Um, wow. Okay. Antics, so, 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 so what? So, what did you do after the um, Royal Women? After the Royal Melbourne, Royal, Royal Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah. yeah. So then I went on another crazy path. I sort of had. I was getting a bit um, jaded with the hospital system and just the. Anyway, so just a bit jaded. I needed a change. Yeah. And um, I had two options. I was either going to go to America and be a nurse on the Camp America program. Um, oh, that would have been fun. Or then I saw a job advertised for a new building or business happening in, in Melbourne and that was called the Casino. So I was like, that was just ah, when it started. So I actually right. missing to join the Casino and ended up in the VIP with the high rollers in the mahogany room there. As a, oh, as my a God, that is just so weird. I just have to compute yeah. that. So what yeah. was the attraction with the Casino? And nursing, or were you, were yeah. you jumping out of nursing completely then? Yes, yes. I was, well, I, yeah, I did jump out of nursing completely then. I wanted to try something different, right. uh, and this was very different. So, And it was, you know, the complete opposite. So going from an environment where I was helping people, I suddenly, you know, felt I was in this, this environment where I was actually, you know, not causing, you know, positive outcomes to happen. So needless to say, I didn't last there very long. It, it opened me up to another side of society, not one that I um you know, no, but I, I guess family. one that we we need to be aware of in of order course. to kind of no. And of what course. was your role there? What were you doing? Were you like a croupier yeah, so or something? A, crip, a croupier for the all the high rollers. So it would be not wow. uncommon for you know someone to be betting two hundred thousand dollars on a hand, and which was quite un, you know unimaginable because you'll be there thinking about oh, I've got my rent and I've got to pay the electricity and you're dealing. Yeah. You know, how can like I get two hundred dollars and someone's <laughs> just betting it for a fun? Yeah, so it was, yeah, a different side of society and a different side of the world that exists. So it was interesting. Um, Again, I learned, you know, I met some wonderful people, learned a lot, um, as you do. So, you know, you're always learning in every opportunity. But it was definitely something I learned. It was not for me. Um, So then I decided to um, embark on a training course. So I heard about this thing called, you know, IT, and IT was going to be big in the world. (laughs) So I did a course um, in IT. And from that, I um, landed a role with a company called Macromedia, which is now Adobe. So this was yes. at the dawn of the internet. So, yeah, I worked for the Australian Vice President or the Asia-Pacific Vice President for Macromedia. And what and were you doing there? Yeah, I was. I started as an executive assistant, but the, the Asia-Pacific office was very small. Yeah. Um, we had a technical engineer and myself and then the marketing team was in San Francisco. But um, being the go-getter that I was and obviously learning amazing priority skills and time management skills from my nursing background, 
I was able to um, just develop that role in terms of a marketing role. Um, we did events okay. all around Asia Pacific. Yeah, so I, I basically um, took that starting role into becoming the uh, Asia Pacific Marketing Manager for Macromedia. Wow, so, congratulations. Yeah, That's great. So I spent a number of years there and to the point that um, I was organising an event somewhere in the Asia Pacific region every two days. And we have turned Oh, my God, two- that doesn't sound yeah. so much fun. <laughs> there was, it was looking at that time, it was, they were a real buzz and they were like uh, had a, a personality of their own. Like people coming to those conferences were, oh, they were just, you know, so excited to be there yeah. and we'd have speakers coming out from San Francisco. It was a real wonderful time as well um, and a lot of excitement and hype and those events, so they did, um, they had a bit of a cult following, I suppose. Yeah, so- yeah, it's funny because when I um- – one of my first jobs after I, I left school and I went into newspapers, but I worked for a company that did that used silicon graphics, which was so almost unheard of at the time. And I remember going out to companies going, now you probably haven't heard of a thing called a CD-ROM, but you can do them and you can make them interactive and people go, what, what, what? And I think I got it. I went up to Sydney and um, met a whole lot of people at Macromedia who gave me free oh software, God. which which the that was designers loved. It probably, probably was. Wouldn't that be I probably spooky? saw you at one of the events signing you in, Jules. So. Who knows? <laughs> God, that's weird, isn't it? Okay, so if it's so much fun, why did you move on from there and where did you go yeah. to next? Look, it was a it was a, an amazing role. I travelled a lot. I worked lots of hours. Right. Um, it, it, it's taxing after a while. Yeah, and then because I had, Yeah, and then I had the health challenges and I felt like, you know, this- Can I ask what time. happened? With, oh, the health is the endo, endometriosis. Yes, yeah, exactly. Which yeah. Would, yeah, which comes around with scarily uh, regularly, I guess. So, exactly. Uh, and I think yeah. it's just sort of a sign maybe that your body is under some sort of stress as well. You're not really giving yourself a, a chance to heal or to recover when you're pushing yourself so much much and it was quite an intense role and um I loved it it was wonderful and yeah but you know at the end of the day it was not something I wanted to sustain over a long time you know longer than I did I was there for you know quite a few years but I always love that moment when you decide to move on I don't know why I just always think it's really exciting to think okay I'm going to leave what am I going to do next it'll be some other great thing so what was next for you um, then it was a business. So then it was, I did a bit of consulting. Uh, so I knew I didn't want to be in the corporate world. I did some consulting, some marketing work and events. Um, and then that's, you know, I was focused on healing myself and, um, wanting to do my own business. And I came across a, a lovely range of tea, um, that was all fair trade and organic. And I thought, you know what? This is beautiful. Oh, wow. I'm going to contact this lady and see if she wants to sell her teas in Australia. I had no clue what I was doing. So I bought some tea, put it in the garage up the back of my car and went off selling so and how was that god I love you you're yeah. just such a go-getter aren't you so what do you do when you haven't got a massive background in sales like no, no. and no. you've or, just or taken on the Australian- <laughs> what, what was the tea is it something we've heard of now uh, it was it was, well, it's called Hampstead tea and it's still my favorite tea in the world and still would okay. arrange that we have and um yeah just a beautiful organic and fair trade tea comes from a single state in India um, just a, a beautiful tea with beautiful values and story. So wow. So yeah. um, retail is a whole other world, as I know, and I've only dipped my toe in it. So uh, st- sticking the stuff in the back of the car and off you went, and you've got the Australian rights. How did you amplify that? Yeah, pretty much um, what a lot of people do with a whole lot of you know passion. You start knocking on doors. You attend trade shows. You contact some lovely magazines and people and see if they'd love some samples or to be able to write about you. And, yeah, you just sort of start chipping away. And 
And how, how long did you do the tea for then? Yeah, well, look, the tea is still, you know, around. So we did that, but then I came across other brands um, oh, at that point in time. so that's yeah. how you grew it. You, mm, you started yeah. just pulling in brands and going, yeah. why don't we put them all together? Yeah, so uh, the interesting thing is it was soon after that that I started reading about the ocean, about the issues we were having with overfishing and fish running out, and I came across a beautiful range of sustainably caught tin fish called Fish Forever. Um, and we were pretty much the first people to start talking about sustainable tin fish and pollen line right. fish. Yeah, so sort of one of the pioneers really in Australia. We worked with Greenpeace a lot in those early days because they were really passionate about trying to get more sustainably caught tuna and fish products into the supermarkets. Um, we were doing the right thing, so we really worked closely with them to demonstrate what was possible from a small brand, and if a small brand could do this, then a big brand should be able to do that too as well. So, and a lot of shift in that time, but yeah, definitely one of the pioneers in that sort of area as well. Wow, that's a, this is all just amazing. This is kind of uh, I'm loving hearing all of this. So, okay, so you start off with tea, mm-hmm. and then what was the next product? Yeah. Uh, the next product the, was the fish. The fish, fish forever, which, which is of course sustainably is kind of so you've fish. gone drink, and now you've gone food. So, what mm. happened after that? How did you grow it? Yeah, so and, we did and how a- involved is your partner in it? Yeah, so um, we did, uh, we kept, you know, just see if there was a brand that I liked or if I felt there was a gap in something, um, I would like, oh, look, I see this opportunity or a gap and I'd find the source. And, for example, I I was pregnant and I had a craving for Nutella and I wasn't going to buy Nutella because I was concerned about palm oil and it wasn't organic. So I went on the hunt, I remember, at 11.30 one night going, there must be someone in the world that sells an organic version of Nutella. Um, and from that, I found a brand in the UK and it's one of our best brands performing today. So I feel like it's always that sort of that need that you see or that gap that comes, you know, from you personally first. And then you sort of think, well, if I'm feeling this gap or, or missing this, um, maybe someone else is as well. And it's always about testing and trying as well in terms of, you know, taking those risks and trying something. You don't know how it's going to go, but you just got to give it a go and, and starting off small. Yeah. Wow, I love it. And so you just grew it from there. and and. and- and also I was going to say, and and it got grew to the fact that we just don't do international brands. So we also start, you know, started working with Australian brands as well. And then again, in different categories. So well, we started off in food and drinks. Now we do personal care and shampoos and soaps and lifestyle. And we really love, you know, working with Australian brands too. And as much so as we what, can. So what made you decide to go from food and drink, which is a nice little category in itself, mm. and sort of expand out other than obviously finding great products. But did you sit down and go, what's our strategy? Yeah, pretty much. It was about always sort of uh, diversifying and extending that breadth of products that you were able to offer um, retailers and and businesses. So really about how you can create more value for them and uh, for yourself. Um, And that was really one of our strategies in terms of expanding the range to cover more categories. Right. So um, who are your customers? Are they the little tiny organic stores or are they big supermarkets or what? Yeah, so it's pretty much anyone um, with uh, we work a little bit with the Woolworths. They have some select stores that we work with, but it's more like your organic stores, your natural health food stores, your Goviders, um, your good independent grocers. We work with the Richie's group of IGAs um, right. and a number of other IGA chains. So it can, it can vary. There's a lot of obviously online stores coming on board at the moment and, um, you know, stores that are focused on a particular niche. It might be zero waste stores. It might be plant-based stores. So we're finding yeah. those sorts of, you know, specialised stores. Um, yeah, it's, it's a blend of the small store to the bigger IGA group and bricks and mortar and online. So it's quite which, a diverse group. Which always makes it hard when you sell online because I know that there's that whole thing of we don't want to undercut the supermarkets or they won't buy from us and all mm. that kind of thing. So 
<coughs> you said you've just opened a marketplace. Yes. Is that, was that on the back of COVID and, and the fact that you couldn't get out to those stores easily? It was a bit, we started before COVID, but that really sort of accelerated the need for this. So it was sort of like maybe, you know, good timing. And sometimes it's like that with some universal timing. Again, we're looking at our business. We're looking about what brands we're looking for and what retailers we're looking for. And there are definitely a lot of brands that that want to grow, but they can't go through a distributor because of the margins. And there's definitely a need for retailers who are wanting to um, source their products from a one-stop shop. So they don't want to add just a new supply for a one or two products. So they're really looking for one more, you know, uh, more one-stop shops. They're looking for digital solutions and online ordering platforms. So I really felt that this marketplace model had a lot of value. And then, of course, COVID hit. And then um, we did go through that phase where there were a number of retailers who were saying they don't want to see sales reps. And that made us really realize that these digital, digital platforms are just going to have, you know, be even more important so, yeah, there's a few sort of things happening that are sort of leading to this um, you know, perfect storm, really. Yeah, fantastic. Well, so what's the name of the store? Yeah, the, um, the, it's called Ollie. Um, so, O-double-L-I? Uh, O-double-L-double-E. So Ollie. Okay. Yeah, so it stands, it stands for all the things that we love. So it's, you know, about organic and loving local and ethical and eco-friendly. So it was a bit oh, of a combination. Yeah, so... Um, it was putting all those things that were, that were important to us. So, yeah, we're very excited about that, um, Jules, and I think it's going to be, you know, something that's we're looking forward to seeing the chapter. And that's that whole thing. You've just got to in business, you you sort of um, make these decisions and you've got to put, you know, your heart and soul in it, into it because you believe in it. Um, and then you've got to wait and see what the results are like. And, yeah, so it's exciting, very exciting. Wow, it just sounds fantastic. What a great journey. I love all of that. Yeah. Oh, God, I feel like I want to now have <laughs> oh, a crystal so ball sweet. and go, what oh. happens in 20 years? <laughs> oh, that's what I want to know too. Where is that crystal ball? I want to see it. But um, Well, it yeah. sounds like you're doing amazing jobs. All right, so along the way, um, mm. and I like to ask this of everyone because this mm. is a group for women um, yes. and women in business, that it's nice if there have been people that have helped you along the way to give them a shout out. Have there been any women that sort of have had a key role in in helping you grow your career yes um I think it comes from look I think it comes from the start I think you know having an amazing mother and sister is so important that believed in you my sister was always there um you know I would bug her and hassle her and you know to help me with this or bring with this and and she was always so willing really I didn't have to bug her that much she was always there for me and what does she do um, is she in your she, business? No, she, well, she actually does help in some capacity. She actually um, creates some marketing materials for us, which is really nice. And she's always helped. I mean, even when we first started the business, I basically dragged her to Sydney with me for our first trade show. And we were there doing PR packs at night and doing little sample packs. And she's been there beside us um, every oh. step of the way. So, yeah, look, she's a, an amazing support. Um, and even for someone like my mum who always gave me the best of opportunities and yeah. um, and gave me that opportunity to follow my dreams and um, giving me that platform so I can be the person that I want to be. So I think it started really off from that young age. Um, but, yeah, along the way, you know, having from my best friend at school that I still keep in contact with today, um, having that support and, um, you know, friends and my partner. And so, yeah, there's it's – you, I suppose you have, you know, you couldn't do what you what you do if no. you didn't have those people around you. No, it just, absolutely it would, not. I, I guess what I'm wondering is were there any, because there are for some people, people that just really stand out as, you know, an amazing first boss <laughs> or whatever. Um, 
but you know, other, other, the rest of us, if we're lucky, have sort of you know coasted along and have had people help us all along the way. So, in the building of um, your business, first Ray, have there been any pivotal moments? Have there been you know? And I like to say mm. successes and failures, but I feel mm. like we learn a lot from failures. We don't mm. learn a lot Definitely. from success, other than how yeah. to celebrate. But can you share some of those with me? Yeah, I'd love to. And I think that's, you know, you're spot on. I think sometimes those failures are the biggest lessons. Um, and one that stands out for me is when um, I was fortunate to have twins. And oh, they were very, I've I got know. Twins too. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, how old are yours, George? Yours are they're 15 yeah. now, so they're very <sighs> easy. Mine are 10. So. Yeah, well, it gets, it's good. I, it? I think I just spoke to somebody the other day who had twins that are. Are they nearly two? And I oh, just wow. was like, oh, and she's a single mum. My heart went out to her. That's a, that's a um, hazy, hazy time. It is a very hazy foggy. time. Yeah. But it was at the time when the kids were little and obviously I wasn't in the business hardly at all um, and just relied on the team there to to get on with the job and do their work. And it wasn't a little while later that we realised that we had a one member that was quite disgruntled and, and unhappy and that became quite oh. toxic. Yeah, look, it was really sad because we didn't realise and I didn't realise um, what the impact that, that that person was having on every other team member. Right. Uh, to the point, which was quite drastic, um, you know, it came obvious this time that this you know person resigned, they handed in their phone, they deleted everything off their phone except the text messages. And on those text messages were all these conversations that he'd been having with our staff members and their responses. And it was just, yeah, it was really sad actually. Um what, just to, nasty stuff? Just nasty stuff, yeah. I felt it was so unnecessary that, you know, that they didn't have to do that. But it really obviously uncovered a lot of, um, you know, comments that people had said. So it made it very hard for us to go forward. I mean, we had a conversation with every single person. How, um, how big was your team at this stage? Uh, six people. In, oh, okay, in, so yeah. small enough that you notice it if yeah, people look, that are know, close to you were saying a, things. A few people in warehouse and dispatch and someone in office and um, marketing. So we pretty much had a chat to every single person and let them know what had happened. And one person was even seeking um, therapy because this person had asked them to do something and they felt very uncomfortable with it. So it really showed actually the impact that they can have on other individuals. Yeah. But anyway, we lost our whole team overnight except for <gasps> one person. So oh, that was really? it. You had to that let them all it. go. Well, yeah, they pretty much they knew it was very hard to recover from that. Yeah, right. Um, and so, you know, they so were very So one of the lessons is if you don't like your boss, don't have conversations on work phones. Yes. Oh, look, you know, <laughs> oh, look, I think it was very nasty of the person to even do that. But, yeah, yeah so anyway, we won't go there. But I think it, what it really made me realise is the fact that um, that toxicity in the environment, in the workplace, can it does exist, but how quickly it can spread, spread. to other staff. Yep, spread to other staff members. So, so really, what did you do? How do you replace your whole staff? Oh, look, didn't. So basically then I had to just work later hours in terms of taking on the administration, the sort of customer service, the order entry, that sort of basic stuff until you you basically find the new people to take over. So you have to dig deep and put those hours in, just like in any circumstance when you have your own business. If things fall down, you have to help pick up the pieces. Yeah. Um, Do you yeah. look back on it now and go, you know, we've got a better team now? And, oh, and totally, totally. Yeah. And it just makes me realise, like now we, in terms of our culture at our workplace, um, having those discussions with staff, just being very aware and always having this understanding that um, we value honesty and transparency and that if any point in time that there is an issue that, you know, you want people to come to you first. So it's building that culture that they 
take their grievances or their issues or their concerns, whatever it is, to you first rather right. than having those conversations. So it's really part of the culture that we've created and you're constantly, you know, just you're sort of aware of if there's anything subtle and luckily, you know, we haven't had an issue since because I think we're just sort of aware of it now, how quickly it can spread. Um, but, yes, yeah, about building that culture. We well, they don't. do say one bad apple spoils the whole bunch and it's I guess so that's true. very true if, if, it's if, so true. Yeah, if they start spreading it. Um, yeah. Any other particular challenges along the way that, that um, also no, stand look, out or that's it no, pretty no, much? No, that was, you know, the biggest hurdle because literally yeah, wiping huge. out your whole team and having to restart when you've got two little babies at home. It's like, you know, <laughs> sure. But it's oh like that. It's, it's, you know, it's part of, I suppose, small businesses that we all have these disastrous yeah. days and, and you just recover because you have to. It's not as bad. It's not as if. Will we recover? But how? And you just got to yeah, get through. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I mean, look, some people give up. I mean, at times like that, some people mm. do close their oh, business yeah. and go, "I want to go and get a job." It's too but, hard. Um, yeah. You know, when you've well, you know, as well, especially when you've got young kids, running your own business is just gold, isn't it? Just to be able to go to those primary totally. school things and totally. stay home when people are sick and all that kind of thing. Totally, and, um, that's it. and that was one of the reasons why is about creating that freedom so you could, you know, have that flexibility to be able to do that yeah absolutely so how old are your kids now 10 so 10 and uh, a half so and have you just yes. got the two just the twins yes, just the two that was I, I don't perfect. want to say just because obviously <laughs> that word does not belong in a sentence with twins but <laughs> or I'm, any children, you know what it? I mean so yeah. how do you juggle work and life when obviously you and your partner are in the business mm. and you've got young are they boys or girls the twins uh, one of each one oh, of each nice yeah so Ooh. I think I think that is the, the word, the key word is juggling. And we often say we're on Juggle Street. Um, yes. <laughs> and you just, you just make it work really. So you, um, have your routines at home. You, you know, have your efficiencies at work. I guess what I'm interested in is do you, are you work, trying to work anyway, sort of nine till six, nine till five, and then evenings and weekends are for the kids or oh, totally, does, it all, totally. does it all sort of mash together a bit? No, totally. We definitely, you know, I have, you know, drop off, drop them off to school um, and, you know, you run like crazy during those work you hours. You, yes. um, I have to say, though, it's yeah. really funny, isn't it? Because when they're younger, you hang out for them to be able to go to school. I just remember thinking, oh, oh my God, it's going to be great. But the reality was going from childcare, <laughs> which we only had a couple of days a week, but that goes through till six at night to suddenly realise by the time you get home after the kids, it's like 9.30 and you've got to leave at three. The day just disappears it, it just it really reduces the hours it does um and all those thoughts that you had about oh you know they've got to drop them off at school and i'm gonna have a long lunch and get a massage <laughs> and they're just working like crazy it's like that doesn't work out that doesn't happen at all no, no but it does give you the chance like you said to be there for their cross-country race and to make the cakes right. for their birthday and stuff like that so you got it's a give and take um but definitely you know i do um, focus on getting all the work done during my work hours. You know, but there are occasions where you are awake at three o'clock in the morning and you're thinking about problems. And um, I heard this funny thing once that lying in bed when you can't sleep is like standing still on a treadmill. So ever since I heard that, <laughs> I know. So ever since I heard that, if I'm lying awake for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, like, right, I'm just, you know, That's might as well it. get up. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it does come like that where you just, you're up early in the morning and just getting those things that are, niggling at you off your chest and trying to solve those problems. So, you know, sometimes you, you do that. But I do 
um, you know, try and do my work during those work hours. So I, I can be home with the kids and pick them up and take them to activities and watch them swimming and, and just, you know, enjoying what they're doing. Yeah, great. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, okay. Well, we're sort of almost at the end, but I have a great sweet. question that I love to ask. I know. I know. <laughs> we could keep talking for ages. Here's one for you. This is one out of the box. Is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? A quirky fact. Um, oh, I don't know. Maybe that I'm just a big kid inside, really. I'm just a bit of a dag and, um, you know, do silly things all the time, <clears throat> whether it's be, you know, running around the house acting like a, you know, witchy poo or something, chasing the kids, putting spells <laughs> on them. Or, or who knows? It's, um, I just love to just dance around and put be some silly. old dag. I'm yes, like you too. Yeah, you know, put and some daggy music a on. Stage, and- it gets to a certain stage where the kids go, you're just embarrassing. But I think at 10, you've probably got, got another there. couple of yeah, years. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm just going to keep going until they do that. You, you know, that's what I feel. So I'll just continue being um, silly me. And, yeah, um, I think that's a great idea. My son, uh, my <laughs> eldest son, started a whole Instagram channel or something, I think, just photos of me and he didn't tell me. Um, and he would be like, smile, Mum, just say hi, Mum. And then all of a sudden I went, why do you keep doing this? And he went, oh, well, you know, I've got this channel about my mum. <laughs> oh, God. So, oh, anyhow, it's is bliss. I never wanted oh. to see it. Okay, the last, the very last question oh. is about phones. Do you use your phone at all? And if so, do you have any, do you have any apps on your phone oh. that you use for business? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, oh. so the five, the apps I use for business are one is a, a good old currency converter. So, yes. <laughs> so being in the, um, import business, you're sort of watching, you know, what's the exchange rate doing. So, because yeah, obviously those decisions can make a difference on your bottom line. So staying ahead of that is something that's, you know, regularly checking into with that one. Um, right. The other one I use that is probably my mostly used and it's probably combined for work and personal is called Headspace. Um, okay. Yeah, it's a beautiful um, application. They do a whole lot of things from meditations to sleep casts at night if you um, just needing help winding down to, you know, motivational focusing. So it's, it's a broad range and I think that really helps me at work because it just sort of helps me, you know, stay grounded, stay calm, yeah. stay focused. It's a nice way to start my day um, and sometimes end my day as well. So that's a like good all-rounder. Oh, that is a great one. Well, what can I say, Sandy? It's just been wonderful to talk to you. Can you tell me what is, if somebody wants to find out more about your store or your products what's or, or you, what is the best way for them to get hold of you? Um, the best way is, do you want to email? Is you, it the best no, way? I, I would be oh, thinking website. website yeah. Website, easy. Okay. So the best thing they can do is just go to the website, um, Ollie, so O-L-L-E.com.au. Um, there they can read about me, they can um, find contact details and any, you know, whether they use the form there, um, they'll be able to reach me and I'll find them. So Fantastic. definitely. Well, listen, definitely. thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. What an oh, interesting no. woman you are. Oh, thank you, Jules. <laughs> it's just been wonderful. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, and, yeah, look, you know, it's, I think, you know, we all have interesting stories, don't we? It's just, you know, the, all those all those decisions that we make and the paths that we take and, you know, you take one decision rather than another and that just leads you on, on another all path. All those sliding it's, door moments. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. fascinating to, it's and fascinating. I think it's really inspiring for other people to know that, you know, other people have gone through similar things or that something happened to someone else and that, you know, 
they're not the only one because when something does go wrong in your business, even if it's just a short for a short while, you can catastrophize and go, oh, my God, this is it, it's the end. So it's great to be able to share those stories with other people and go, oh, yeah, okay, it's not so bad. We've all been through it. (laughs) Well, listen, thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jill. It's been a pleasure and all the best. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.